when I consider that question, who am I? It's one of those things that if you really want an honest reflection, you have to kind of go deep. And it's a little bit scary to answer that question, who am I? If you think about the way we think, what we see and how we feel, many times those things don't fall in line with what God says in his word. It's one of the things that we'll see tonight as we answer the question, are we weak or are we strong? So here's a thought for tonight. How many of you are Marvel movie fans? Raise your hand if you're a Marvel movie fan. Anybody think they've seen all of them? I think there's 20-some now, 24 maybe, 25, something like that. Many more still coming, all right, some of you maybe. Do you have a favorite? What's, shout out some favorites from the Marvel line. Iron Man, I heard. What was that one? Oh, nice, okay. Yeah. So it's all over the board, yeah. Would you, would you agree with this, that we kind of have a fascination with superheroes in our society? Superman came on the scene back in 1938. And pretty much ever since, there has been, I suppose, obsession is even not a terrible word when it comes to our love of superheroes. I'm going to show you just how old I am right now. I grew up when the only time you could watch cartoons was Saturday morning. I had a black and white TV, and my brother and I would wake up every single Saturday morning because at 6.30, the Justice League would come on, Superman and Friends. And every Saturday morning, we got up to watch our favorite superheroes. And so I thought about that for tonight. What is the draw to the superhero in our society? Why do so many people love things like Marvel or DC Comics where we get to see all of these different superheroes? I suppose part of it maybe is that we like to put ourselves in those shoes and think, what would it be like if I had some sort of superpower? If you're here for our fall retreat, one of the games we played was Jenga and one of the questions on the Jenga box that Rachel put was, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? I don't know if I could limit it to one, right? It would be interesting to be able to have that. But I really think there's a second reason that there's this draw to superheroes too. I think we understand that we live in a world where evil is always going to be present. And in order to overcome evil, you need something or someone good. And when we think about our own weaknesses, the own, our own troubles that we run into, we have to admit that we don't have the strength that we need on our own to overcome those troubles, to overcome the evil in this world. And so we need a superhero who can do that for us. Tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about an event from the life of the Apostle Paul as he records it for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Because Paul understood that his weakness was something that he needed help to overcome as well. Let's let Paul tell us about it in chapter 12, verses 7 and 8. He writes this, Therefore, to keep me from becoming arrogant due to the extraordinary nature of these revelations, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so that I would not become arrogant. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that he would take it away from me. The context of these words is, is actually pretty interesting. The Apostle Paul is, is writing to the Corinthians who seem to have a love for people who boast about themselves. 
And so Paul has spent the better part of an entire chapter in chapter 11 telling the Corinthians all the things that he was forced to suffer for the sake of the gospel. He talks about his beatings and his imprisonments, how many times he had been given 40 lashes minus one, the shipwrecks that he suffered. And the whole time he's talking about these things, he's saying, I'm a fool to talk like this. And then in chapter 12, he talks about some amazing revelation, the visions that God gave to him. Paul actually tells us that he was caught up to paradise, where he saw inexpressible things, things that he wasn't even permitted to talk about. And Paul allows for this. He said, you know, those, those things that God allowed me to see, the, the visions of heaven, the visions of paradise were so awesome that I suppose being able to see those might have made me think I was kind of special. They might have made me arrogant. But God didn't let that happen. And Paul talked about what he calls a messenger of Satan that kept him humble. The thing that tormented him. He speaks of it in terms that we can understand. He calls it his thorn in the flesh. I suppose we could stop just for a moment and speculate about what was it? What was this pain that Paul had in his life? What was the thorn in his flesh? But your guess is as good as mine. Paul doesn't let us in on exactly what it is and the Bible doesn't explain it either. I suppose we could draw at, this, at least this conclusion. If you've ever grabbed something that has thorns in it and felt the thorn go into your flesh, you know that it's painful. So maybe Paul is just telling us that whatever it is that he had, it was something that hurt. In the end, what Paul realized is that he didn't have the strength to overcome it. He, he needed help. And he understood there was only one place for him to turn for that help. And so he pleaded with the Lord to take it away from him. Did you hear the number of times before God brought his answer? Three times, Paul says, he pleaded with the Lord to take away this thorn in the flesh. I couldn't help but think as I thought about Paul pleading to the Lord three times to another event where someone pleaded with the Lord to take something away three times. I'm sure the picture gives it away, but you probably remember that Jesus, on Monday, Thursday evening in the Garden of Gethsemane, three times with his three disciples, Peter, James, and John, prayed to the Lord that he would take the cup of suffering away from him. You remember Jesus saying to his heavenly Father, but not my will, but your will be done? What a blessing to you and me that, that God had Jesus go through with drinking that cup of suffering in our place. That Jesus went to the cross to pay for all of our sins. But in Paul and in Jesus, don't we have a great example? When the thorns of life come, when the trials and troubles come, our first stop is to pray. To pray to a heavenly Father who has strength to overcome any weakness of ours. Listen to what happened when God answered Paul. God said to him, My grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will be glad to boast all the more in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may shelter me. Maybe God's answer surprises you at first. After all, here's Paul, right? This great missionary preaching to countless souls and he wants something taken away from him. Why didn't God just do it? 
Why didn't God just give Paul what he was asking for? Why didn't he make his life easier and take that pain away? I'm sure you heard God's answer. My grace is sufficient. It's enough for you. My power, God says, is made perfect in weakness. You see, what Paul understood, what God was telling Paul is that you're actually stronger when you're weak because you're no longer relying on yourself, but you're trusting in me. I don't know what thorns you came into the chapel with tonight. I don't know what thorns are waiting in your life, but we know thorns. We know the pain of this life. We know disappointment. We know frustration. We know anxiety. We know worries. We know those thorns can be painful. We also know when we think about those things that that inside of us there isn't any strength. There isn't the ability to overcome our weaknesses. We need our Savior from sin. But I think we have to admit this too. That we have expectations of God sometimes, don't we? When pain and sorrow and frustration and disappointment come to our life, don't we have expectations that somehow God could do better? That he could take all of that stuff away from us? That he could make our lives perfectly happy in this world? Who wouldn't want that, right? But I think you know pretty well what Scripture says about our lives in this world. It was the same guy, the Apostle Paul, who wrote to the Galatian churches near the end of his first missionary journey that we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And even our Savior himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. Rather than shying away from weaknesses, we should be prepared for them. Expect that they're coming. And then understand what it is that weaknesses do. You see, God's answer to Paul is his answer to you and to me too. My grace is sufficient for you. Everything that we need, everything that we are, it's already given to us in Jesus. Your position in eternity is secure because Jesus went to the cross and drank the cup that he asked to be taken from him so that your sins are gone forever. You see, Paul understood the focus that that gave him in his life and it's the focus that God gives to us too. Rather than complain and worry about our own weaknesses, we simply turn to our Heavenly Father. We focus on what God provides for us and the strength that he gives. And that's what makes us strong. Listen to how the Apostle Paul concludes his thoughts. This, that is why, he says, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. Doesn't that sound backwards? To delight in weaknesses, in hardships, in persecutions, in trials. That's not how we normally think. We don't pray at night and say, God, what I could really use is a little bit more trouble in my life and that would really bring me joy. But the Apostle Paul understood why those things were good. And you heard him say it. You heard his why in those words. He said, because then God's power shelters me. God's power rests on me. And, and when I'm weak, Paul says, that's really when I'm strong because it turns me back to God. 
It leads me to rely on a power that's outside of myself, a strength that's outside of my own weaknesses. It's okay to admit that we're weak. It's okay to understand that we don't have all of the answers, that we don't have all of the strength in ourselves when it drives us to the one who does. When it drives us to our Savior who says, you're strong. You're strong in me. Your weaknesses mean nothing because I've already overcome them. And the strength that God gives us leads us to stand up even under those difficulties and weaknesses and insults and hardships. See, Jesus has given you victory. Victory over sin, victory over your weaknesses, and victory that will last forever with him in heaven. No wonder why the Apostle Paul could say, and we can echo those thoughts too, your grace, God, his grace is sufficient for us because his power is made perfect in our weakness. Some takeaways from weak or strong tonight. Number one, weaknesses are good when they lead us to rely on God and his strength. That is truly when we're strong. Not when we're relying on ourselves, but on the one who gave himself for us. Secondly, God's grace is everything we need and he provides strength through Jesus. It's forgiveness, it's new life, and it's eternity that Jesus has provided. That is grace that's enough. I said before that, that Jesus spoke the words that in this world you, have, you will have trouble. Do you know what he said after that? But take heart, because I've overcome the world. That's how we're strong in the Lord. I know we don't normally boast about our weaknesses or get excited when, when things aren't working the way we'd like them to, but there really is a good purpose in thanking God for our thorns thanking God for the painful things, the difficult things that come into our life because they focus us on our God, on his strength and what that strength has accomplished for us. You see, our weaknesses are good when they drive us right back to the cross of Jesus where we find forgiveness and eternal life, where we find the real superhero, the one who defeated evil once and for all by his death and his resurrection. Yes, we thank God for thorns because when we're weak, that's when we're really strong. Strong in our Savior Jesus. Amen.